0: Welcome to the audio podcast of the Sermons from First Reformed Church in Edgerton, Minnesota. For more information on First Reformed, go to edgertonfrc.org or our Facebook page. It's rather fascinating to watch things grow. This goes to plants, trees, trees. Children, it's that time of year where your friends on Facebook or Instagram are posting pictures of their kids that you haven't seen in a long time and you're saying, oh my goodness, when did they get to be that old? It's a fascinating thing to see things grow. And I've mentioned before, relatively recently, the fascination that young students have with a bean growing in a cup that they bring home from school as part of a a science experiment. And I think even those of us who do not labor in the fields or have a garden. We watch gardens, we watch the fields with anticipation in the spring because we expect the corn to shoot up out of the ground. And we find ourselves surprised at just how quickly it can grow when there's that good combination of moisture and sun. Now, when it comes to crops growing in the fields or in our gardens... For someone like me, and maybe like some of you, our attention is naturally on what's happening above the ground, right? And that makes sense because it is what is observable to us. And it shows, I think, that someone like me, I, I kind of take the condition of the soil for granted. Now, I'm certain there are a host of you in here who do, in fact, take the soil deeply into consideration when thinking about the growth of the plant how much moisture is there what are the nutrients in it everything from the depth of the topsoil where you're going to plant to what fertilizer needs to be added and administered to make sure that this growing environment is optimal and so as we move from the seventh chapter of Luke to Luke chapter 8, we see a very well-known parable today from Jesus. And we're also given the meaning of that parable from the mouth of of Jesus himself. So as we consider these words from our Lord, let's break down these 15 verses into our three points before we dig in, if you'll pardon the really bad dad pun there on, on our points here. So before we dig into a parable about soil. uh, Let's take a look at our points. In our first point, we see that Luke is once again giving us an image of what the ministry of Jesus looks like. We have seen that Luke is shaping his telling of the story of Jesus in a particular way, and we see not only wise teaching from Jesus and, and his miracles that show that he has authority to do this teaching But we also receive insight into how his ministry looks, how he went about doing it. And here we see that he is continuing to teach in this region. And Luke lets us know not only that Jesus has women who are following him as he proclaims the gospel of the kingdom, but they're also helping to support his ministry. Secondly, we are going to see Jesus teaching in a parable. Now, this is a straightforward parable about seed and where it's cast the story really holds true it rings true about any planting of seed and it rings true not only for the first century audience of jesus but you and i can relatively easily understand this parable here in the 21st century where we are hearing it and finally jesus explains this parable And in this parable, we get a difficult word from Jesus. It's easy for us to grasp what the story of Jesus is saying here. But when he lets us know what it means, it is a difficult word. There are those who will have the same word of God proclaimed to them, but they will not come to faith. They will not grow strong roots. And this can be a difficult word to hear. And before we get into the actual words of Jesus um, in this parable, we move through the first three verses to see this first point about the people who are following Jesus. And it shows us the scope of his ministry. So as we approach these first three verses, we see some transitional language that Luke is using. Once again, he's keeping the narrative moving along as he tells the story. We get this feeling that Jesus is moving on from the anointing of his feet by the sinful woman that we looked at last week, and he's continuing to teach. And not only do we feel that this is happening pretty soon after the occurrence of the anointing of his feet at Simon the Pharisee's home, but we also get that that we also get this impression that Jesus is once again continuing to expand his teaching, to expand his influence, and to move about this region. It tells us that he is going through the cities and villages. Now, I think it's easy for us to picture this in our mind and sort of feel the flow of the story that Luke is giving us here, isn't it? Jesus isn't staying put. He's not building up a following in in one little village— His message is getting out. And it must be compelling. It has to be compelling because people don't just want to hear it in Nazareth or in one other small town. Jesus is getting out in the world. And His message is is being received and He is moving on to the next town and it's received there as well and then to the next town and then to the next city. The Word of God is going forth. So a natural question as we are reading this, comes out. What, what is that message? Now, we've heard this before. We, we've been told this before by Luke, but he's reminding us of it once again. It's the good news of the kingdom of God. Now, we've been reminded of this message in different ways by Luke. It was initially established for us with Jesus reading from the prophet Isaiah about the blind seeing, the deaf hearing, and the poor having good news preached to them. And we also saw the good news of the kingdom proclaimed as Jesus did the sermon on the plain. And you'll remember there, Luke's version of the the Beatitudes had Jesus bestowing these covenant blessings on the people. But then we also saw the covenant curses on those who did not believe. And then we were just recently, just a few verses back, reminded of Isaiah's prophetic words once again when John the Baptist was wondering if Jesus was actually the Messiah. Are you the one? Jesus was asked. And his response was, Well, the lame are walking, the blind are seeing, the deaf are hearing, the good, the good news is being proclaimed to the poor. Once again, the message of the kingdom of God. And this is the hope that Jesus is spreading everywhere. That's important. That's the idea we're going to get with the parable that is coming up. Now, I think sometimes it is easy for us to get the idea that Jesus was teaching something new every time he went out to teach. Sort of like a pastor has to have a new sermon every week. I promise you, if you fell asleep last week, this is not the same one as last week. Well, we have something new every week here. But that probably wasn't the case with Jesus. Jesus was going out. Chances are that his teaching was very similar from place to place. Now, I've never seen a concert or a comedian twice on the same tour but I've heard that when you experience that it's rather humorous because the performers say basically the same thing every night you know, boy it's good to be in in Toledo Detroit was terrible, you're so much better than them or something like that and they say that in the next city as they move on, I was just at a concert Thursday night they said it was the best one they've been to on this tour so far and if I had money to guess if I would have followed them to Iowa City the next night they would have said the same thing right? That isn't what Jesus is doing. Jesus isn't telling them this or that, that this is his favorite city. But I'm guessing he's using a lot of the same idea that this is the message of the kingdom of God that he is preaching there. Jesus isn't being disingenuous like I was just talking about with comedians or bands. But I'm guessing he had the same message of hope in the coming kingdom of God from town to town to city to city. And this, this, this was the message that he was known for. And I'm guessing this was the message that people were coming to hear, this message of hope, this message that, hey, even though we're poor, we are having the good news proclaimed to us. And we see that the message resonated with more than just the 12 disciples. We see that, yes, the, the 12 were there with them, but it isn't just this handful of men who are going along with Jesus as he proclaims the gospel of the kingdom. Luke lets us know that there were also women with him. And Luke tells us this detail because it would not have been a common thing for a rabbi to have women who followed him around. Luke is telling us, he's letting us know that the message of Jesus is compelling to not only all the people groups, such as Gentiles and and Hebrew people, but also to men and women. And all people are invited to be built up by the teaching of Jesus. He is more than offering healing or teaching them in a crowd. Everyone is welcomed along, and we we find that they must be women of considerable means, right? Because what are they doing? What do we read here? They are providing for Jesus and his ministry. And this is huge. Because Jesus is traveling from town to town, and he and his disciples need to eat. They need a place to stay. And we see here that Mary Magdalene, Joanna, who is the household manager of Herod, and another woman by the name of Susanna are providing for the ministry of Jesus out of the blessings that God has bestowed upon them. Now, we aren't given many details of of what they do to provide for this ministry of Jesus, But because we have a good knowledge of the story of Jesus, there is something important about this support of these women that we're going to see in the future. If we were to read forward in the book of Luke, there's something important that we know. And you know this part of the story. When the rest of the disciples forsake Jesus, when Peter denies him, we are informed that the women not only support Jesus to the end, But even beyond that, because who are the first ones to know that Jesus is resurrected? The women. And it's because they are loyal to him through the crucifixion, and they take that loyalty all the way to the tomb to anoint his body afterwards. And so we get the feel here of of their support of Jesus, and we get this idea that it's going to continue and continue and continue, up until we even get to the empty tomb. And, and Mary and Joanna, who are both mentioned here, they are present in that story. They are faithful to the end. They are faithful beyond that. And Luke is going to tell us of even more women who support the work of the Christian movement as he tells us the story of the early church in the book of Acts. And so we get this idea of the, of the nature of the ministry of Jesus. Jesus. And we've seen this continuing ministry of Jesus here and the comprehensive nature of this influence that Jesus has. And so with that established, Luke is now going to tell us a story. He's going to give us some more insight into the teaching of Jesus as we see this well-known parable of the sower. And the lead-in to this parable is Luke reiterating the crowds and the popularity of Jesus. And that is significant here, because of the point that the parable is going to make. Ultimately, the parable is about the crowds, right? And their reception of the message that they are gathering from town after town to hear Jesus proclaim the word. Now, as I said in the open, this isn't a tough parable to understand. It uses imagery that all of us get. You don't have to be a farmer or a gardener to look at this story and get it in 2022. And most assuredly, they could picture this story in their minds in the first century, just like we can. A sower is sowing seed. Now, the idea here is not that this sower is putting the seed out and and burying it in the ground and, and patting it down. The way that the seed is being sowed here is it's being cast out, being spread everywhere. This is the way they would have done it. They would have cast the seed out, and you had the expectation that not every piece of seed is going to take root and grow. It would grow where it was going to grow. And so the story Jesus has to tell here is that this sower is throwing out the seed everywhere, but the story isn't really about the sower at all, is it? The sower casts out the seed, and then Jesus tells us the story of where the seed comes to rest. So first, there was some that ended up on the path, and it never had a chance because people are going to grind it into the ground. And even if it does start to grow, it will just be trampled. And Jesus gives us some further detail here. It's it's a prime candidate for the birds to use it for food because it doesn't get down in the packed dirt of the path. And Jesus also lets his listeners know that some of it landed on rocks. And it grew a little, but there was no soil to absorb absorb the moisture and provide for the plant. And so, when hard times come, it just withered. Another seed ended up uh, what might have been some decent enough soil, but there were thorns there, and so the weeds and the thorns choked out what grew up. And we've all seen what that looks like. Again, we can picture this parable very well. Well, finally, Jesus tells about the seed that ends up landing on the good soil, and that soil had what the seed needed to grow. And we see that it yielded a hundredfold. And this is why the sower can throw the seed about because the seed that ends up in the right soil, it grows and it produces abundantly. It produces a hundredfold, unheard of. But the sower trusts that the seed that lands on the good soil will do just that. And Jesus closes up this relatively simple story with a statement that is relatively simple as well. He who has ears, let him hear. Just as the sower casts his seeds out for it to land everywhere, Jesus is freely sowing this parable for the people to hear. The message is for all to hear, but not all will receive the message in the same way. And that is what leads us into our third point, and Jesus giving his disciples the detailed explanation of this parable. Now, I spent a lot of time saying that this parable was relatively straightforward, and yet the disciples are out here asking what it all means. I'm sure, like us, they got the basic gist of the story, but they are looking for the deeper meaning that Jesus could give them to the simple story. And so Jesus has an interesting answer for them, doesn't he? It's been given to them, the disciples, to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. He is teaching to the disciples clearly, and he will give certain answers to them. But we read that he's intentionally obscuring the message in parables to the masses. Jesus will clarify the parables with his disciples, but he doesn't do this with the masses very often at all. And we very easily forget how Jesus uses parables in the Gospels. You know, we like illustrations, we like stories. And how do we see these stories and these illustrations? We see them as a way to simplify something that we struggle to understand. But that isn't the way Jesus uses parables. Now, this isn't the only place in the Gospels where we see that the parables are used to obscure the message of Jesus. He says this in other places. And that's tough for us to hear. But Jesus is actually making his message more difficult. He's not using parables to make it more palatable for the masses. He's actually doing it to make it more difficult. And we see this in what he says here. When he says that seeing, they may not see. And hearing, they may not understand. They can see what Jesus is doing. They can hear the words that he's saying. But the things of God will not be understood unless the Holy Spirit gives them eyes to see and ears to hear. And so what does Jesus do? He interprets this parable for his disciples. And it's spelled out very clearly here. The seed being sowed is the word of God. It's spread out abundantly without consideration for whether or not it will grow somewhere. It's just being spread and the the growth is determined by where it lands. And so we read that the seed on the path is those who have heard But then the devil snatches it away like the birds taking the seed off that beaten path that he's describing. And notice that this isn't all on the devil here, is it? The seed hasn't gone down into the soil. It hasn't taken care to beep a place that can can receive that soil and go down where it's protected. It hasn't taken any root at all. It's being primed for being snatched up. Their soil of their hearts is hard. And the Word just comes to rest on the surface. No matter how much seed you sow on a path that is hardened like this, it won't take root and it won't grow. And it's just throwing out seed to the birds. Because that's the only thing that can happen to it. It's just going to rest there for it to be trampled on and for it to be taken. And we've all seen what Jesus is talking about here, haven't we? There are those who no matter how often the seed of the gospel is thrown in their direction. They are hard to it. They do not hear. They do not believe. And that is a painful thing. And it doesn't mean that we give up sowing the seed of the gospel, but it means that we must diligently pray that God will prepare the soil, that the word might take root and do its good work in the hearer. But we cannot forget the fact that it isn't just about the soil being hard, is it? There is an enemy, there is an enemy who will gladly steal that seed away so that it can't take root. And so our prayer needs to be that their hearts would be fertile so the, so the soil of the gospel might grow up within them. The, the seed of the gospel might grow up in their soil. And so may we be more diligent, all the more diligent, to pray for them and to pray that God's work would be done. Now the second landing place for the seed is the rocky soil. And Jesus lets us know that this is those who hear it and they receive it with joy, but the, but the word never really takes root. And this is painful as well, isn't it? We have seen this. We can think of examples probably off the top of our head. Those who get excited about the word of truth and they're fired up, but they don't grow deep roots in the faith and it withers up. It's imperative then that we not only pray that the soil of their hearts would be softened so that it can take root, but we must also desire to disciple those who hear that their roots would be deep so when the heat of of testing arrives, they will not wither up in the faith, but instead grow through that trial. And Jesus then explains what the seed that falls among the thorns means. These are those who hear the news, and it takes root, but they are then choked by the care, the riches, and the pleasures of this life, and then they don't bear good fruit. We have seen this as well, haven't we? And likely, each and every one of us has had seasons like this in our Christian walk. The Word has taken root in us, and we grow, but we get to a certain point, and the allure of the world calls us, and it not only slows our growth, but it keeps us from bearing good fruit. And our prayer here for others and for ourselves is that we would desire the kingdom of God and not the kingdom of the world. That we would be content with the blessings of God and not be tempted by the things of this life as Jesus describes here. In fact, this is a prayer that should be in our hearts and in our minds daily. Not only for those that we might see currently experiencing this in their Christian walk, but for ourselves. But For ourselves, because... The draw of the world is so strong, and it's before our face every day, and we want to continually mature in the faith, and so may we pray, and may we seek the things of the kingdom of God. Well, finally, Jesus tells us of the seed that falls on the good soil, and Jesus clears it up for us here, but when you think about the rest of the descriptions, We almost could get a clear interpretation just from understanding what those other soils are, right? It helps us to understand the last description very much by looking at what Jesus has taught us about the other ones. But the last words of the passage here from Jesus are important for us to remember. We not only hold fast with an honest and good heart that God gives us by his Holy Spirit, but we are to bear fruit. Notice what it says here with patience, with patience. I don't know about you, but I think that's the hard part. We want fruit now. We want to be to the end goal now. We want to be the end goal yesterday, not tomorrow, not next week. We want to be there now. But we must learn patience, and we must learn to continually trust God and that through His Word and through His Spirit, he will help us to bear fruit, and so we pray for patience and trust in the work that this Word of God has promised to do in our lives. And so, as we wrap up this passage, you've probably noticed that our application from this passage has been riding along with the explanation of the soils, right? We must be diligent in prayer for others and for ourselves. And we must trust that God, in His mercy, through the power of the Spirit, will cause the Word to take root and to grow in the lives of believers. But in addition to the application to pray for these things, I want to remind us of something else uh, other than just that we need to pray, that you and I are not the only soils in this story. We're not the only ones here. God has called us to sow the seed of his word. And we must do so gratuitously. Gratuitously. It's, it's so easy, so easy for us to assume that the word won't take root with this person or that person, so I'm not going to bother to proclaim the gospel to them. and I'm not going to bother to share God's word with them it's not going to work anyway. Somebody else can do it. But remember the sower of the seed in the story. The sower spreads the seed and waits for the results. So may you and I daily look for opportunities to gratuitously spread the word. And may we do it without restraint. May we not say that uh, somebody won't believe anyway, so I'm not going to bother to share God's word with them. May may we not cut them off because we don't trust that God's word is going to be effective with them. May we just spread the seed like the sower in the story. And may we trust that God will do his work to grow his seed where we have spread it. Because God is the God of the soils. And he does do his good work to prepare the heart's of the people that he mercifully calls to himself. Someone proclaimed that word to us, and God prepared the soil of our hearts to hear and believe. So may we be faithful to spread the seed of his word to all generations. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast from Edgerton First Reformed. For more information on First Reformed, navigate to our website edgertonfrc.org or our Facebook page.